Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories podcast. Thank you guys for coming back for another episode. This is a little bonus episode that I'm just going to kind of entitle a tribute to my dad. Um, I uh, I grew up in an awesome uh, home, had a great dad, and it is almost Father's Day as I record this. So I thought I'd just share with you for a few minutes just some of my favorite hunting stories with my dad. And I actually, I'm trying to get together some guys. I unfortunately wasn't able to put it together in time, but... Um, I wanted to interview some guys that hunted with my dad, uh, some guys that went elk hunting with him, some other guys that went fishing. Um, my dad was a pretty large, larger than life character, um, had a lot of great stories. And so uh, in that episode, I think I'd be tempted to tell all of these stories that I'm about to tell you now. So I figured I'd just kind of start uh, this way. And then whenever I get those interviews, I'll just release that. But also I do want to say, I'm always looking for guests that definitely helps me out, especially during the summer months. If you've got a few days or just a day where you've got an hour and want to just, we can do it through zoom. That's the easiest way. Love to hear your hunting stories. Send me an email over at sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Really appreciate it. So we're going to dive in. Um, some of these stories, maybe you've heard before. Um, and I'm just kind of shooting from the, the, the hip today on this one. Uh, just kind of going off of what pops the top of my head. Uh, my dad um, was a big-time coon hunter whenever I was a, a baby. In fact, before I was born, I'm told that my dad, he'd go coon hunting like 200 nights out of the year. Like, <laughs> he would leave my mom at home a lot. And, uh, you know, he'd go out with this guy, his buddy named Ray. Uh, there's some other guys that he hunted with. He actually went coon hunting with Travis Shire's dad. Uh, back before Trav and I were even born, uh, he would drive up to Cambridge, Ohio. There's a guy named Doc up there, and they would go coon hunting. And Doc was friends with Trav's dad, Phil, and uh, they'd go out on these coon hunts. Um, as soon as I was old enough, I remember my dad taking me on these these coon hunts. And I got to tell you, I loved it. I loved it so much. If my dad would try and go on a hunt without me, I'd cry. And I do remember a few times I'd cry. Um, and he'd come back and get me. Uh, I think the big issue was is that I would fall asleep a lot. Like I'd get out there, maybe be awake for one tree, uh, you know, one little hunt, and then we'd go to the next spot, and I'd fall asleep in the truck. And then somebody would have to stay, you know, he wouldn't leave me in the truck as they went to try and get the dogs or whatever. So I think I kind of ruined a few of my dad's hunts, but I just remember him taking me. I remember I was, I had to have been like four or five years old. And then as I got older, it was my dad's passion, um, but loved it. I loved going coon hunting with my dad. There was just nothing like sitting there. You'd hear those dogs bark. And, uh, once they hit the tree, you'd know by the way that they barked. And then we'd tear off through the woods. And as I got older, I could do that. He'd let me go by myself or with a buddy that was with us usually. And we had run through the woods and then we'd try and get there with our junky little, you know, miniature mag lights. We'd shine up in the tree and try and find a, the coon before my dad got there because he had the big spotlight. And most of the time we didn't. Most of the time we'd be looking around, couldn't find it. And then he'd show up with that spotlight that he had. He had the old belt and the headlamp looked like a coal miner and would shine up in that tree and just light everything up. And there they'd be. You see the coon. And I remember shooting out a few coons and the dogs getting into fights and just some really special memories. Um, The thing I remember a lot about that is following my dad through the woods at night as a kid, obviously scared of the dark, still am kind of. Um, <laughs> and I just remember my dad would be up ahead and I'd start walking and I'd, I'd see him get ahead of me a little bit and I'd get tangled up in briars. And I remember I'd just be, I just remember like 
him stopping every so often gave me a chance to catch up. Sometimes I'd cry because I'd get tangled up. He'd come back and get the briars off of me. I just knew I needed to had I had to keep up with him and focus on that light up in front of me. And uh, I just remember that vividly in my head, my dad walking in front of me and me kind of trailing behind trying to keep up. Um, and then I, 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 as time goes on, um, got into deer hunting. And you guys know this, if you listen at all, deer drives was pretty much the main way that we did it. Um, we hunted with a party uh, that lived out in town and we'd go on these deer drives or sometimes be upwards of 20 to 30 guys, huge drives. And back then, so many deer, so many bucks, it just seemed like <laughs> it was just the landscape was just covered in deer. It'd be nothing on a drive to see maybe five to eight deer get shot, probably a buck on every drive or every other drive. Uh, I mean, it was just a lot of deer and a lot of shots. And it kind of the mentality back then was if it's brown, it's down. So everything was shot. It didn't matter if it was a little buck or a big buck. It was just, you know, we celebrated the big bucks, but it was just it was neat being a part of that. It was exciting. It got me into the woods. Uh, we hooted and hollered going through the woods would yell as drivers trying to push. So none of the silent stock stuff we would yell, which was uh, looking back now, it was really a safe way to do that. Uh, especially on the rolling hills of Ohio, where I grew up. A lot of times you wouldn't see, you know, a driver above you or below you, even though they'd be within a hundred yards because of just the, the benches and, and all of that. And if a deer would pop up, you know, a driver could shoot, but you know, sometimes it was risky if you didn't know where that guy was. So the, the yelling actually helped a lot. And of course, as a kid going through the woods, yelling was, just, was awesome. And those first few years I'd be next to my dad and I remember the way we had closed each day was now looking back now, I, I'm not proud of it. It was not the most ethical way to do it, but we had basically road hunt. Uh, if we had an hour of daylight left, didn't have time to do a drive, we'd get in the trucks, we'd drive the old township dirt roads below my house, and we'd always make sure that the deer was in a location that was, you know, a spot that we had permission to hunt. But still, we would we would not be off the road very far. We'd see a deer, and guys would shoot them all the time like that. And my very first shot at a deer was that scenario. We were driving right in below my grandmother's trailer, right by my house. Look up, and there's a doe up on the bank, probably 50 yards. And my daddy's like, "Get out, get out!" So I got out, and I pulled up with my 410. I'm freehand. Don't lean. I don't know to lean against the truck or anything like that. Pull up, I shoot, and this doe just drops like just drops and my dad goes good job buddy and I mean I, I was proud and I know some of you like oh boy this is this is rubbing you the wrong way because you think about how unethical and how unfair that is but as a kid I got to tell you I didn't know that didn't even consider that I just knew I dropped my first deer but then she rolled twice popped up and took off and all of a sudden, I'm like, I didn't, I mean, it just happened so fast. My dad's congratulating me. I didn't take time to reload because she's down. I just thought I dropped her. And <laughs> so dad's like, oh, I'm sure you got her. Let's go up there and look. And we went up there and all we found was white fur. Didn't find uh, any blood anywhere. And my dad, um, God bless him, he searched for hours. He got out his big headlamp that he used and he went back that night and looked and never found a single drop of blood. And I just remember uh, that disappointment, like, man, I had it right there and it just didn't pan out. And, and fortunately for me, I, I'm kind of glad that that wasn't actually my first deer. I think I shot right underneath of it. I don't, maybe it just slipped. I don't know how I knocked that deer down. I, I guess I could have hit it maybe a little bit high in no man's land, but you would think that we would have found a little bit of blood. 
But I'm kind of grateful that that wasn't my first deer just because I was seriously standing on a township road and just shot it out of sight of a truck. Um, <laughs> I eventually learned and, and realized that's probably not the best way to uh, get your first deer, get any deer. That's not a real fair uh, chase scenario. Um, I was able to get my first deer. My dad wasn't actually there. He was on drive um, and uh, had a buck come over the hill. And I've told that story. It was it was a quick pull-up shot got lucky hit it right between the eyes and it rolled two feet from the road and remember my dad was was proud um but you know that I didn't have a lot of scenarios where I was hunting right next to my dad once I was of age and was able to do those drives on my own I remember that my dad you know he wasn't there as much because he would be off uh you know driving or he'd be someplace else you know and we wouldn't be on the same in the same spots but I do look back um over the years and I remember a few things. My dad wasn't a turkey hunter, so I never was able. I wish now uh, that now that I know a little bit more about turkey hunting, I wish that we could have done that. Um, I, I do remember a lot of my dad's elk stories from whenever I was a kid, and uh, he took I think three different trips to Colorado out. And I really hope at some point I can get a guy on here that went out with him. I still call this guy every couple months and. Um, and he tells me some of these stories and I would love to record some of them. Um, and we'll see if, if I can get that lined up, but I just remember just being like enthralled with that. My dad, um, going out to this magical place and he'd have these pictures of elk camp and all of those things. And it was just awesome. You know, just awesome to, uh, hear about his experience. He never got an elk. And I don't know if that drives me a little bit to get one or what it is, but you know, I've, I've got an elk trip planned for this fall, and I just every time I'm out there, it, it, like it, it connects me with an adventure that my dad went on. My dad never went on any on any other out of state hunts. Uh, he never went out of state fishing or anything else, but he did do an out of state uh, Colorado elk hunt, and I think that's part of the driving thing for me. Another one of my favorite stories, um, as I got older, uh, you know, I'd come back home from college and then I got into bow hunting and those kind of things. But a few years ago, um, we decided that we we're going to do a muzzleloader hunt together. We'd done the deer drives that day and I, I don't know if dad had cancer yet or not, but I was in his blind and, uh, I just remember we had a feeder out and so we were waiting for some, anything to come in. We were ready to shoot a doe or a buck most likely, likely going to be a doe. And I remember sitting there and he and I are just having a great conversation, enjoying that. And all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I look past his head and I see movement. I'm like, dad, there's a deer. He's like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, right there. And this doe walks probably within 10 to 15 yards of us right to the feeder. And so I, I get the gun up. Well, dad has that mesh netting in his uh, blind uh, that is supposed to be, you can shoot shoot a <laughs> broadhead through it but not a bullet so we're trying to pull that netting down a little bit and as we do all of a sudden boom that doe sees the movement and is locked on us and she you can just tell she saw the movement and she's getting ready to bolt so i i look through the scope and i i got her i mean she's dead to rights 15 20 yards away got her right there broadside and dad's like you got to get higher i'm like what he goes you're gonna shoot my blind get higher so i i kind of raised the gun up a little bit higher he's like you got to get higher than that and so i got up a little bit higher and this deer she is really on alert i'm like any second you know she's about to bolt so i got up just a little i kind of was almost like halfway standing at this point we should have had that netting and everything down lower um, but at that point i raised a little bit higher i didn't ask i just boom put it behind her shoulder and let her have it 
and she goes running over the hill and I'm excited, heart's pumping, look at dad and dad's just kind of giving me a look. He's smiling, but he's just shaking his head. I'm like, what? He goes, you didn't get high enough. And I look in front of me and there is a ring of fire through this netting where I've blown a hole <laughs> through his blind and through the netting. And he's like, you shot my blind, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he he wasn't mad he was just tickled and we went down over the hill i think she was maybe 20 yards away and there she is i got my first well, not my first doe but i got a doe with my dad and just a pretty special moment um the last one that just pops in my mind i got to go back even before this was squirrel hunting with my dad um that was another thing that he got me into i think this would have taken place so i'm going out of order here i apologize but i do remember before deer hunting uh, we went squirrel hunting, um, and he took me out. And I remember we'd gone out, I think, maybe twice, and I hadn't had any luck. And we are walking along this old well path that went out to one of our oil wells uh, that they drilled on us. And walking out there, nice, easy path, and we're going. And I look up ahead, and I see a squirrel, and it's up on a limb. And Dad's like, get ready, get your gun up. Got that little 410 up. And this it's pretty high. I remember it was a pretty steep angle, and I aimed up. Wasn't too far away, but I just remember as this squirrel is going, I'm actually training, tracking with it pretty good with the gun, and it jumped from one limb to the other, and it wasn't intentional. I just pulled the trigger, and I shot that squirrel in midair, and it never reached the other limb where it was going. I shot it right out of the air, and it fell right in front of us. And I just remember this. Uh, I think that would probably would have been the first thing that I ever shot with my dad, and just neat experience. You know, I had a lot of other moments where he came along and he was there, but as far as just hunts with my dad, um, those are the ones that I remember. I remember drives where I'd hear a shot and it, my dad hunted a good bit with a uh, 44 um, Super Blackhawk. Uh, he'd use a revolver with a scope on top. And I remember he shot a couple of really nice bucks. One of those mounts I actually have in my house. And uh, But I was never really there with my dad whenever he shot any, like shot a buck. He was never there whenever I shot one. It was always after the fact. So those stories that I just told, those are really the main ones that I remember uh, where I was right next to my dad on and having those experiences. You know, um, as I reflect on this and as I think about Father's Day, I, I'm just incredibly grateful uh, to have the dad that I did. Um, my dad wasn't perfect. Um, you know, I, I look back at some of the things that he did that made me shake my head. And now I end up doing some of the same things with my kids. I, uh, not patient enough, get frustrated. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't learn how to do because my dad would get impatient and would just do it himself. And later on in life, he recognized that and he, he apologized. And like, you know, I, I get it. And I, now I see myself, I can do, I can be the exact same way. We inherit some of those things, the good and the bad, but my dad was a good godly man. Um, the biggest thing that I learned from my dad is how he took care of my mom and how he always stayed true to his faith. Um, he, uh, you know, he was a little bit of a hellion growing up and, and definitely into his early 20s. And my mom, I think, uh, definitely had a good influence on him. And then I think whenever he had me and my brother, he, he recognized the importance of getting us into church. He knew that he wanted to raise us in a Christian home. Um, because that's what he was raised in, even though he'd kind of gone down to some crazy drinking days and partying and all that. He gave all that up. Um, I never saw my dad take a sip of alcohol, even though I know he drank a lot in his 20s. Um, he gave all that up because he knew what kind of person it would make him be, and he knew that it made my mom uncomfortable, so he gave all of that up. And then my dad wasn't perfect by any means, but, but he cared. Um, he cared a lot. He prayed for people. Uh, I, I remember as he got older, he'd share his faith, he'd share his story. And I remember especially whenever he, he found out that he got cancer, he never once 
complained about his cancer. He never once, um, he never once let that dictate how he was going to live. He was still going to be happy, go lucky, Randy. Uh, he was still going to be the guy that would make people smile. Um, there's moments I know that he didn't feel good, but he'd still call. He'd still be there. Um, whenever I remember one time I was out of town and Hattie was still alive at the time and Hattie got pneumonia and was up and uh, Kate was alone and I was trying to get back and couldn't make it there. Even though my dad had super weak immune system, he drove with my mom through the snow up to Columbus uh, to be there with, with Hattie uh, because she had pneumonia. He shouldn't have been there. In fact, we, we are not entirely sure, but uh, about a month later is when my dad got pneumonia and we aren't sure if he actually didn't catch it that way uh, going to the hospital. Um, but as I, I think back to this moment where I'm in the woods with my dad and it's dark and I can't see, and these things are kind of gripping me and grabbing me and all, and it's scary. I look ahead and I see this figure of a a large heavyweight man in front of me. And I just remember all I have to do is stare at that light. Don't lose sight of the light. Quit looking at all the stuff around. Focus on that light. Focus on that man because he's not going to leave you too far behind. (laughs) If you get real tangled up, he'll come back and get you. And if you're with him, you're safe. Guys, if that isn't a picture of our Heavenly Father, I don't know what is. We go through hard times, and Jesus says that he is the light, that he is the light of the world, and that he will not let us perish, that he is always going to be there. And I think we can get into these moments where maybe you didn't have a dad like I had. Maybe you had a rough thing. I want you to know that you have a Heavenly Father. And you have a Heavenly Father that will take you through dark times whenever you feel these thorns of life around you. Don't let that choke the faith out of you. Keep your faith in the person in front of you. Keep following Him. Keep letting Him direct you because He's taking you to a good spot. I hope that's encouragement for you. I know this is kind of a short, quick, weird episode. Hope to have a real full-on episode. But hey, you got to send me a message at sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Let me know that you want to come on. Hope that that is encouragement for you. I want to wish all of you guys, I know there's some girls that listen, but there's mostly uh, guys listening. I want to wish you guys that are fathers a happy Father's Day. Uh, Continue to keep your priority, your family, so that one day maybe your kid, if he hosts a podcast, he can talk about you in a positive light that he remembers you and what you've done and are continuing to do in his life. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope that you come back for another episode. And until next time, remember to shed the light.